Hello and welcome to Meet My Potential podcast, where we talk to leaders from around the world to inspire and to ignite your potential. This is your host, Deepa Natarajan from France. And today I'm going to be speaking with Anjana Shivakumar from New York about authentic leadership. Have you ever felt a disconnect between who you are outside your organization versus who you are at the workplace? Or ever felt that you can't be with the politics that's happening in the workplace? Or you're not in agreement with how the restructuring is happening? You feel that some of your values are not being honored by other people? And there are some decisions that kind of disturb you and it impacts your relationship with your peers? I think this episode will give you some concrete tips. Anjana has some real tactical advices that you can start using immediately. Before we get on to the episode, Anjana Shivakumar is a dynamic HR executive with over 20 years of experience across various industries. She has worked with C-suite and senior leaders in numerous global organizations, both large and small. Her expertise spans various facets of HR, from talent and leadership development to operating model and organizational design to DEI strategy development and implementation. Now, let's get into the episode and listen to Anjana's advice on authentic leadership. Hello and welcome Anjana Shivakumar and we are going to talk about authentic leadership. How are you doing this morning? I'm great. Thank you so much, Deepa. I'm very excited to be on your podcast. So um, you have a lot of experience as working as a HR professional in many different organizations, and you have seen mergers, acquisitions, and you have worked in many large companies in New York. So tell us a little bit, what is it to have, what is it to be authentic in your leadership? So I think the concept or the idea of authenticity and being authentic is really um, knowing who you are and being that person uh, in all the roles that you have every day, sort of um, living with and following your values, your way of being, and bringing that to everything you do from meetings that you have with your team, conversations that you're having with clients, um, anything that is really uh an, an engagement or an interaction that you have, you bring hmm. your true self and hmm. feeling comfortable in your own skin is what I would say. Hmm. Hmm. You know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, be your true self, know your values and, you know, walk by your values, walk your talk. There's mm-hmm. a lot of this. Can you make it a little bit more concrete? Like what does it mean to actually be authentic with some examples? Sure. Um, so I think the the idea. I agree with you. I think there's a lot of talk about that. I think when you when you boil it down to what does that really mean and how do I um, enable that or action that in in my day to day, I'll give you an example. You know, when it comes to sort of uh, the the notion of being on time, right, or or how mm-hmm. people view time, mm-hmm. and we know that across cultures, across individuals, the notion or the idea of Time is a concept that some people are on one end of the spectrum and one some are on the other, meaning, mm-hmm. you know, the, the idea that if you are on time, you know, being on time means you're five minutes early, being early is being there 10 minutes before. And if you show up on time, you're actually late. That's one end of the spectrum where the concept right. of time is rigid. And then there's right. the other notion, which is very fluid, that if you say 10, it's like 10-ish, you know, it's sort of, it's okay right. to, to have a bit of a flexibility. 
I happen to fall on that flexible side of the schedule. Oh, um, me too. Yeah. <laughs> too bad for people who work with us, right? <laughs> right? If they're on the frigid side. So yeah. when it comes to authenticity, though, there's two ways of approaching it. One is knowing what that means for yourself and planning ahead so that depending on the situation or circumstance. So a meeting with senior leadership, you know, meetings that are um, dependent on others for a purpose where in the construct of organizations where everything is on the rigid side, you have to be authentic to say, all right, I, you know, plan and say it's 930 so that for me, 930-ish will mm -hmm. eventually, you know, lead me to say, okay, I can be there on, 10, at, on time at 10 o'clock. If, however, it's, you know, 10 o'clock for a tea or a party or, you know, you're going to somebody's house, me being authentic, I tell the individual, listen, if you're telling me 10 o'clock, I'm going to be there at 10, 15, 10, 20. That's just who I am. And so they, I am prepping them in advance. I'm still being real to who I am. And there isn't pressure on either side. And I don't have to feel bad that I'm running late. They don't have to feel bad that, you know, oh my gosh, you know, Angela didn't show up on time. And it is still being real to me, but in a, in a manner that is, you know, fair to other people as well. And I know that's not the best example, but it sort of shows right. or indicates how you can still be yourself and comfortable with without sort of giving up, um, you know, and, and accommodating too much. I love that example. example. I, I just love that example because I know that I've been stretching myself to be on time in every single aspect of my life. And, you know, and that's not possible. And then when I fall back and fall short, especially in personal situations, I, you know, I have this little voice in my head that's kind of like, you know, telling me off that, hey, Deepa, you weren't the, you know, and I think what you're saying is like, you know, be authentic to yourself and, you know, tell yourself that, yes, you know, if it's a dinner, like, you know, or if it's like a going for a walk with somebody, you might just be 15 minutes late. You're going to call that person to say, hey, I'm leaving home right exactly. now. Like have that relationship well, and exactly. have that relationship to also have self-acceptance uh, yes. for, you know, who you are. Exactly. And being real to yourself, right? Because you're, there's no point in stressing or there's no point in really trying to be fake because at the end mm -hmm. of the day, that is going to add so much more stress to your life rather than acknowledging and being aware of who you are and sort of saying, look, this is me, you know, and accommodating and working within those boundaries makes it a lot less stressful. And I have learned this the hard way. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that example, because now that you've learned it the hard way, you can share it with all of us, right? <laughs> <laughs> and your second example. So I think another example is, you know, in situations where, um, and I think we talked about this brief, briefly before, but um, uh, where you might be privy to some information um, that, you know, you, about a friend. So in, in, let's say you, have, you know something about a colleague, um, whether it's, you know, about their job or a situation that um, you feel you have come across this information and you want to share it with them because they're not just your colleague, they're your friend at work. And however, it is information that you should not have been privy to. And, you know, technically they shouldn't either, but because it's about them, you want to share it. So what do you do, right? That's a dilemma. And how do you be true to yourself in that situation where you want to, you want to be a friend, but also be a good employee. 
And you know, this is, this is like the perfect timing to talk about it. We're recording this podcast in September. There are a yeah. lot of organizations that foresee the recession that are going through a restructuring. And yeah. as part of that restructuring, people are losing budgets, um, projects, or maybe yes. even losing their jobs. And sometimes you're aware of it, or sometimes suddenly you have been, um, you don't have access to certain pieces of data about yes. the strategy for next year. And things show up as a surprise. Um, yes. Sometimes you know something about someone, you know, your right. colleague's going to get fired. But, right. And you've had dinners and lunches and played tennis with this colleague. And what do you do with right. that information? Exactly. Or they're not getting the promotion, right? Or they're not getting the, the budget that they were getting approved, whatever the situation was, right. right? It goes everything from you know one extreme to the other. And so yeah. how do you sit on that information? So this is a really difficult one. And I think it is challenging. And what I would say is, there's one of two ways of, of approaching this. And I would caveat it by saying, regardless of how you approach it, you, uh, when you make a decision or depending on how, what action you take, keeping in mind that there are consequences and there are repercussions to whatever action you are going to take, whether that is approaching your friend or colleague, not approaching them, however you are going to go about this now that you are sitting on a piece of information is going to have a ramification. So just keeping that in mind. But what I would say is, you can approach this in one of two ways. By, you know, myself, if I'm authentic to myself, the way that I would do this is I would actually approach the organization, whoever the decision makers are, to say, hey, do you have two, you know, knock on their door and say, do you have two minutes? Because uh, I heard something and I know something that I think maybe I shouldn't have. I overheard it, et cetera. And I feel I'm in a bind. I want to tell so-and-so. I know that they're not getting their promotion. I know that they're getting fired, et cetera. And they are my friend. So, how do you want me to handle this, right? So put the onus or that responsibility back on the company, right? It's okay to, to do that. That's one way. And depending on the organization, because every organization operates differently, they all have different ways of communicating this type of information. In some cases, it's okay for it to sort of seep out into the organization. Others, they're very rigid and closed and sort of want to follow a, a protocol. It does vary. And I've been in organizations that follow it in any number of ways. So one is to approach the organization. The other, and to ask the question, the other is to approach the organization and say, listen, I've heard this information, I've come across it, and I want to let you know that as a friend and, and as a, a close, you know, personal friend of mine, my responsibility and onus is really to tell them. So I just wanted you to be aware. So you're not so much asking for that permission as to how to approach it, but sort of letting them know and giving the organization a heads up to say, I'm going to let this friend know. So you may want to, you know, figure out how you want to message that information because my um, allegiance and responsibility while I'm also an employee this relationship is whatever, you know, X many years long, and I value and trust, and I, I need to keep that trust going. And, and I'm informing you, because I want you to, to know that you can, you know, that I have a trust in this organization, too. I'm not telling them behind your back, I'm letting you know that I'm going to inform them. So that's two ways of approaching it with the organization. Now, both of them are extremely bold ways, right? They are. It's not yes. sitting with yourself and, you know, having a lot of these competing thoughts, like, what do I do? What do I do? But it's rather like That's taking right. those thoughts and saying, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to either ask for permission, number one, or I'm going to state, this is the decision that I'm taking and I'm informing this you. This is the yeah. action and I'm informing you. And yeah. whatever it is, it is a very, very authentic and courageous form of leadership. 
That's right. And I think it's authentic to yourself and to the organization, right? Because you want you don't want the organization to think of you as untrustworthy, but you also don't want your friend to think of you as, you know, why didn't you tell me kind of situation. So the best way is to be open and transparent about it and let the sort of let the discussion or the chips fall where they may, right, as they say. Um, but in this regard, to your earlier point, you're not sitting with the decision, right? It is now with the organization because for whatever reason, somebody leaked it, they spoke in the bathroom when they shouldn't have, right? So that part of that is the organization's responsibility. And you as an employee are letting them know you are now privy to a piece of information and you have the ability to act on that information. And so, but you're doing it in an authentic way. You're absolutely right. Now, the flip side of that, and this is what I was saying when I caveated it in the beginning, is if you are going to take that decision to tell your friend if it has to do with somebody losing their job, and given my line of work, I have come across this in many ways, you may never really fully know a person and you de- you never know how that kind of news will be received or what the repercussions of that will be. So what I say to individuals, and this is why organizations and you know this kind of conversation is had in a particular manner, it's followed with a particular methodology, it is never taken lightly, because you never know the the individual person's circumstance, how they will react to it, right? It is, it brings out a whole host of reasons or emotions um, that no one is quite prepared for. And so as a friend, as a colleague, if that person is a close personal friend, you may know them, and you may feel like you can share this information. And but recognize that it could go one of two ways. They could say, oh my gosh, thank you so much for telling me. I am shocked, etc." The other way that this could go, the friend could think that you are, you know, I don't want to say a spy for the organization, but that you're sort of feeding them a line or that you're not, because the defense mechanism in a person is to sometimes not believe it, right? To say, ah, you're full of it. How can they let me go? Like, I'm so needed. You're just jealous. Maybe you heard it about yourself, right? The the friend could retaliate and sort of suddenly it could come back and backfire on you not, and you would not have expected it. So I, I just, I say this as a word of caution because honestly, I have seen pretty much everything out there and people <laughs> react in any number of ways. And so just be prepared for that, right? So to, you don't want to lose a friendship over something that, and, and both of you may feel bad, you know, you, you don't know what will happen. So just keep that in mind is what I would say. The way to potentially um, downplay it if you feel that, well, I can't sit on this and not let my friend know, is to broach it in a more, in a softer manner, right? To say, hey, look, I may have heard, sort of use the words without it being definitive to say, I may have heard something. It seems like, you know, they're having conversations. I don't know if your job might be at stake, right? Like I could have heard wrong, but I just thought that I should let you know. You may want to go and check with your boss, etc. So have it be in a, a softer landing as opposed to a, hey, I heard your job, you know, they're going to fire you. Because that's right. a much more definitive uh, right. statement than a, I'm not really sure, but I think so. so that's a, it's a way to sort of maybe prep them and for them to maybe be prepared about it. And then they can decide whether or not to approach the organization, their boss, et cetera, et cetera. So there's different ways, but in both of these, and I, I don't mean to get off topic, but in both of these situations, you can still remain authentic to yourself. It is not necessarily what you are saying or what you are asking. 
It's really more about the how. How are you approaching it? How are you approaching your organization or the individual you're speaking to? How are you approaching your friend? And the message that you're getting across, how is that landing? That you can control and sort of be authentic to yourself, if that makes sense. Right. Right. I totally see the importance of this, of being authentic with yourself, with the different pieces of information. Um, I had been last year coaching a person and his job was to actually go to different countries. He was mm-hmm. positioned as um, the adjoint uh, country manager and his job was um, to close units. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this organization was deciding on closing over a course of 10 years, units mm-hmm. in different countries in different parts of the world. His job was, he was the expert at closing units. And so, which means that he was assigned for three years in a particular country and shut down, moved to another country, shut down. And over That's a period hard. of 10 years, he, he, he had a cancer he developed a cancer oh. Oh, and, and he became really sick. And when I met him for coaching, he was actually like the first call, he was actually like just going to step into surgery and it was going to take him three months to recover from that surgery. And after mm. that surgery, when we met, it was about looking at how do I reposition myself? And one of the topics over there was like, are you being authentic about how you feel and how you go about doing this? Yeah. Yes, the organization has a strategy. Yes, the organization um, vision to roll yeah. out the original intent in that country didn't work out. But now uh, we need to retract back in this yeah. country. But then how do you do that? And it's really yeah. the how that matters. It can That's make right. people sick. That's right. Oh, absolutely. It is the, there has to be an alignment with what your job is and what it requires of you and mm-hmm. how you go about delivering that. So I'll give you an example. Um, in it was, you know, in, in the, the scheme of sort of, you know, human resources and the profession of, you know, HR, the, the notion used to be, and in some cases, in some organization, it might still be the case that if you are going to have these sort of layoff or, um, you know, reduction in force conversations that um, you as the HR person or the organization should not use the word sorry, right? You should not say, I'm sorry. Um, when you have these conversations, it is very, you know, professional and there's a script, you follow that script and you say, you know, um, the organization has had a, a decision and because of this, you no longer have a position and you follow it very much and it's very robotic. And that is very difficult because this is something that literally changes people's lives, right? It is a, right. Um, it's a, it's a huge impact. I was very fortunate to be under a leader, um, a, a head of HR uh, at, an, at a large, one of my former organizations. And uh, he very clearly said, absolutely not. We were, we are going to be human about this. This is, there is nothing wrong with saying sorry for how you feel. It's not saying sorry as in I made a mistake or, um, you know, I take ownership for uh, mm. like, because I think the reason that organizations said that is like you assume liability, right? If you say, oh, I'm sorry, that means that you made a mistake and you shouldn't have fired me. No, I'm saying sorry because it's an empathetic response. And it's sort of, I'm so, it's like when somebody falls down, oh, I'm so sorry, are you okay? Right? You don't mm-hmm. say sorry because mm-hmm. you, it's not like you push them. Mm-hmm. You are being empathetic and you're showing a sense of humanity. And so this leader, my my CHRO, uh, when we had this, you know, round of, of conversations that we had to have, 
And that was a question that was raised in the in the script. He says, absolutely not. We are going to be human. We are going to treat these people with respect. And if that means that, you know, you say you're, you know, you can absolutely say, I'm so sorry that, you know, we are going through this or we're having this discussion. You don't have to say, I'm sorry we made this decision because that is not the case. You're not sorry for right. the decision. But you are sorry that we are in this situation and that you are going through something difficult and that I have to share this information with you. So yeah. that's... You know, even to say something simple like, I feel terrible to share this. Like, you yeah. know, you're bringing yourself, you're bringing exactly. yourself into the picture to talk about how you feel about it. And I'm yep. really sorry that I can't do much about this. That's but, right. And here's the It's an the empathetic news. response. And so I think right. it's elements like that where you just, you need to keep in mind that you can be authentic you can be real to yourself. You can still show humanity in any situation and you can um, still carry out your job, the function of your job in a way that is real to you. And now I know we're talking about all the sort of the sad side. Um, I know, exactly. Is, <laughs> exactly. The flip side is you can be your authentic self. And if you're silly or, you know, loud and boisterous or, you know, you make jokes or you can bring that to a meeting and you can bring levity and it doesn't always have to be formal and strict and coded and in a box the way that you know right the business and and things operate because these days especially now after the pandemic and through zoom right we've had cats and kids and people and you know everything come yeah. on camera and and people are <laughs> a lot more i think open and willing to acknowledge the reality of people and their lives holistically that i think we could sort of say you know what, like, yes, it's a meeting, but why don't we start off with, you know, icebreakers or talk about ourselves in a way that isn't couched or guarded. Um, because I think that is part of being authentic and your true self. And it actually, you know, research shows that it helps to bridge relationships. You actually get more done if people feel like they can relate to you on a level that isn't just formal or that isn't just business. And that and that that research should help you then be able to enable you to bring your whole that self, is, right? To bring that your is so important. Like that is so important because otherwise you walk in a, you know, a Teams meeting, a Zoom meeting, and it's one after the other. Like, let's look at a status. Let's look at a report. And, you know, I've been into so many, uh, I've observed so many meetings as I coach teams. And sometimes people don't even switch on their cameras. So, you know, you see a name, you see the GB or, you know, AD something, you know, like the alphabets. And it's like, you know, and it's popping up on the screen, Um, and you know, who's talking. But it's nice to see who's the person. And it's also nice to bring a little bit of that humanity like you know oh you're exactly. the person who makes a joke are you are you allowed to say hey listen i'm tired uh can we yeah. can we close this quickly exactly right be Am I allowed to say that yeah of course you are i think it, yeah. it shows because you know what the chances are that if you are feeling it mostly everybody else on the call is probably feeling it too so you know you allow for yourself to be human and you actually give that um, allowance to the others as well. And especially for those that are in positions of leadership, I think it's more important because people follow your guidance and your, like they look mm. up to you, whether, whether mm. you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, you, everything that you do and say is being observed by somebody, whether it's your team members, it's a junior person, your mentee that you're not sure about. And people talk about it, right? They, they, they are looking for, um, people that they can relate to, that they can either emulate or follow, right? Like take pieces of that. So you are always going to be on no matter what. And mm-hmm. so the, so that shouldn't scare you and that shouldn't, you shouldn't have to feel like you have to be a robot all the time. 
No, be right. human, you know, be right. respectful, but be human about it. So I think absolutely, Deepa, can you say I'm tired? Yes, because I think then others will say, oh, thank goodness, because I am too. And it makes you feel relieved. And just think of yourself, right? If, if your boss were to say that, wouldn't you feel better about it? So if you say it, it's good for your team and it's good for, you know, the people around you. So be yourself yeah. as always, for good or bad. I mean, I, I the other example I was going to say is, um, in terms of authenticity, and, and I have done this, if you've made a mistake, if something has happened and it's, you know, you could have changed it or you've made a mistake somewhere along the way, it is far better to own up to it right away and say, listen, I'm really sorry I missed that or I made that mistake, but I'm willing to, and here's why I made it. And then here's what I'm going to do to fix it. And it won't happen again. And I learned from it. That is a difficult, it takes courage, absolutely. But you also save yourself the hassle of a lot of stress and a lot of cover up because that by <laughs> no means is going to get you anywhere um, other than in trouble. So I would say <laughs> the authenticity piece of it comes there too when it's, you know, something that it just, it, it's hard initially, but it becomes a lot easier. And people then trust you, right? They, they know that, look, you're not perfect. You've made a mistake. Now, it depends, obviously, on the, the severity of it. If it's something really big, you go to your boss and you say, look, if this is a fireable offense. I'm really sorry. But here's what I did. Chances are they're not going to fire you. They will, you know, admonish you or they will, you know, take that into account. But your um, accountability of that and ownership of that, I think, will speak volumes, in, especially in leadership roles. So true. Um, when you've made a mistake... And it's painful. The easiest yes. thing to do is to go and blame somebody. Yes. Blame is a very unsophisticated way of dissipating your pain to somebody Absolutely. else. Absolutely. And um, it is not at all authentic. Exactly. And the, when you blame, the other person is going to get defensive and blame you back. And Good. there you start a little war. Right. Yep. And the other thing is like, when you know you made a mistake, you go, you cover up or you work 10 times to make things perfect, to fix it. Mm -hmm. And we lose a lot of time to impression management. Yes. We lose a lot of try That's time, right. trying to look good, trying to make yep. it look good. Yeah. And you're stressing inside because you know that that's like, you're working doubly, triply hard Exactly. As opposed to acknowledging what was a mistake and frankly, using that as an opportunity both for yourself and for others to learn from, right? Like if yeah. there, nobody got to where they are by being perfect. That is the one thing that we all have to remember. And sometimes in you know leadership roles, we, we tend to forget that, right? Like, or people who are in junior roles don't realize. They, they look up and they're like, oh my God, those people have never made a mistake in their life. That's not true. <laughs> like, Nobody got to their position of leadership by being perfect, let me tell you. It is impossible. But I do know a lot of people who have been promoted because they are, they, they try to be perfect. Yeah. And that is so heavy. And mm -hmm. I can tell you the pain of it as someone who is a recovering perfectionist. Yes. It is so painful uh, to work and to make things look good and to yes. look good. It's just so painful. And so give yourself that break. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And be authentic. And you're, and you're such a great example. You <laughs> say sorry immediately. Like, oh, yeah, oh, I'm so sorry. Hey, how can I fix this? <laughs> you move on, should, actually. <laughs> Yeah, but exactly. you move on and that's how you've accomplished so many things right right yeah I've learned yeah exactly like I think for me 
it was so much harder to do. Like, I mean, I couldn't even think of like the things to cover. A, I'm not very sophisticated. I would be a very bad spy or an agent. Let me tell you, like, it's just not good at that cover up stuff. Um, and for me, it was just a lot easier to sort of say, I'm sorry. And partly because when I was younger, I didn't know why I was like, Oh no, I just did it. Sorry. Um, and as you grow, right, you sort of figure out that you earn actually more trust when you do that. You are. People believe you because who in their right mind is actually going to sort of, you know, own up to something um, without it having a bad consequence. And we're, we're always taught to sort of, you know, be perfect at, in organizations, to your point of that, mm-hmm. right? And I think somebody a long time ago told me, you know what, status quo is perfect. Like, and I love that phrase because to me, and, and that isn't to say you want to be complacent. I'm talking about like, you know, cleaning your house or et cetera. Like sometimes... The way the situation is, especially for, I like your phrase, recovering perfectionists, right? The notion of saying, like, what you have now is good, like, you need to move on. You have to sort of have that mindset, because otherwise, you are just going to, like, it's a never-ending cycle in a loop, and you're just going to stress yourself out. And there's no point in getting, you know, anxiety and, and stress for something that you could very easily solve by taking a different course of action. Absolutely. Absolutely true. Um, so for those of you who want to learn a little bit more about perfectionism, uh, you might want to head over to uh, episode number 36, The Limits of Being Perfectionist, or episode number 83, where I talk about what if perfectionism is dead? <laughs> what happens then it. if perfectionism is dead? So um, listen to that. And Anjana, thank you so much. You know, it's been very valuable listening to you. And I have lots of questions. And one last question before we close this episode. Um, What do you do as a leader when projects are going to be moved into your department Mm -hmm. and you're going to take some people from another colleague's department Mm -hmm. and you've had this discussion with your boss and you made that decision Mm -hmm. and your boss is actually going to make the final restructuring um, maybe a month down the line. Mm -hmm. What do you do with that information? So I would say, as you were asking the question, um, my first conversation would be with that other team member, right? Like the other teams Mm -hmm. where the team is coming from. Um, Mm. Again, it goes back to that transparency. I would have a conversation with my boss to say, listen, here's what we need for this organization. I understand this is the business decision, et cetera. However, I'm basically grabbing people from other areas or you are, you know, restructuring it in a way we need to bring them in, in the loop. We need to make sure that um, they understand the rationale and that they basically get on board, right? It's not that it's not so much that we're asking their opinion, of whether mm-hmm. or not it should happen because that decision has been made. But we do need to inform them and get them comfortable with it. So it's a question of answering all of their questions, having them feel that, you know, they're not being slighted, that this is not somehow a reflection about their management, right? It, you need to manage and have that communication and give them the opportunity to go through their emotions, right? Any of these organizational changes ultimately boil down to um, how people feel about it, right? It it rarely is about the actual right for the business, wrong for the business. While that is the decision, the impact of that feels a lot more personal to anybody, anytime. And so the most we can ever do is get people comfortable with those decisions. And so Mm -hmm. it allows for individuals that space 
to go through that set of range of emotions to say, oh my gosh, is it because, you know, I didn't do a good, so whatever that manager is. So if I'm getting a bunch of people from two different, let's say areas in the organization, um, the right thing to do is to have the conversation with both of them, either myself and my boss, my boss initially, and then me, whatever combination there is that makes sense to say, look, I know this is not easy. The other thing I would say in being authentic is always to call out whatever that uncomfort or discomfort is, because then it puts everybody's, like, it lowers everybody's guard, right? If you call it out, there's no way for somebody to say, well, that's how I'm feeling, because you've already talked about it, to say, I know that this is not easy. I know this is not the decision that you would have made, right? You, there's any number of ways that you can start the dialogue and have it be open and invite them to say, how are you feeling about this? And what can we do to get you comfortable, right? Because you're not asking their opinion to change the decision, but you are asking and allowing them to sort of inviting them to express their thoughts and emotions and asking, how can we make you more comfortable with it? What is it that will help you to better understand the rationale for the decision and to get you on board to then communicate it with our employees? That's how you want to bring people along and doing it in an authentic way, honestly. Yeah. You know what? Um, these are things that you don't learn in business schools. These <laughs> <No>. <laughs> are things, not things that you learn in school either. That's and right. you have a wealth of experience of having worked in, you know, various different organizations as a senior HR professional. And uh, this is real. This is authentic because you shape the culture of the organization. We definitely have like a huge hand. And a lot of it is in combination with not just leaders. It is really like every person in the organization, you need to have them feel that they are part of it. So I feel very blessed. I, I'm, I'm very lucky and I have put myself in situations. I've definitely taken risks. I've stayed authentic to myself. Mistakes, warts and all. And I've said sorry plenty of times, but I've learned from it. And uh, I'm happy to continue that. And I'm continuing on my journey. So I'm looking right. forward to it. You know, uh, before Anjana came on this episode, I asked her, uh, what's a topic that you're most passionate about and that you want to talk about? And she spoke about self-awareness and values. And I think we're coming back to that topic of values as part of being authentic. You need to know what your values are so you can yes. live those values and really be true to yourself about that. That's right. Anjana, uh, what's been one of your best experiences um, in this profession? Oh my, uh, so many. <laughs> um, I, I think for me, some of the, the one of the best experiences I've had um, is actually one where I, uh, <laughs> unfor- ironically, it, it did have to do with a major restructuring of uh, of a large company. Um, I was tapped to be part of a small team that knew about it ahead of time, that helped to plan and prepare for it. Uh, but what that experience gave me is a view of everything that needs to be taken into consideration from the business angle all the way to the human side of it. And it gave me a much deeper, uh, broader appreciation for the role of not just human resources, but every uh, you know sort of manager and leader in organizations. It gave me a, a a view of understanding why this is so complex. And as an employee before, you know, as one of the sort of cogs in the wheel, you don't always have a full view or appreciation of that. And um, being part of this smaller group that had to plan for 
um, and execute a large scale transition um, and transformation for the company. Uh, it was, you know, several weeks holed up in a room, sort of, you know, you're, you're part of the tent, you're part of, um, uh, you know, meetings and, and you're privy to information and you have to operate in a very, very um, careful manner. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the carefulness comes from the, all of the different pieces and the, the domino effect of the decisions that are being made. And I saw firsthand the stress of leadership. I saw firsthand the, the various um, aspects that the, these managers and leaders actually talked about. And, you know, to an employee, sometimes they don't realize they're like, Oh, what do these leaders know? They're sitting in their, you know, glass chandelier rooms and they don't even think about it. And that to me, like at least this example and the, this experience that I had showed me that that was not the case, that it was a extremely thought out process there are so many nuances, and it just gave me a, an overall better appreciation for business, um, but also for the, the, the profession of, of human resources. So to me, while it was a um, difficult time and, you know, that wasn't the, the best in the sense of you had to, you know, notify people that they were going to be, you know, losing their jobs, that, you know, like you mentioned, like, you know, areas are being restructured, et cetera, um, it also was the turning point for a company that then, you know, went in another direction and actually helped to grow the company. And you had people that, you know, benefited from that as well. And so I was able to sort of see firsthand the impact and the effect of that change. And so it was just a, you very rarely in your professional life, do you get an opportunity like that? And I'm, I feel very fortunate, A, that I was tapped for that, um, Mm -hmm. and that I was able to carry that out. And I think to me, that changed a lot of my view, my as my you know aspect of like how I see things, um, and gave me an appreciation for for the role that I'm I'm in now. Right, um, it requires us to see things from a systemic lens. Yes, uh, it requires us to also be very human. Yep, and also take into account um, strategy and the vision of the organization. That's right. All, That's- all with take bringing humanity to the center of the workplace. Yep, Bravo, and just Angela. being yourself. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you being authentic. So well, yes. You said it so well. Absolutely. <laughs> so what's one tip? I know you've shared so many um, <laughs> wonderful advices and, you know, what to do in different situations to be authentic. What's one tip that you'd like to leave our audience with? Oh, gee. Um, don't let any, don't take anything too seriously. Honestly, like I think that, I mean, in all my years, everything that I've learned, I, you're at the end of the day, it is nothing isn't going to get like overcome, right? Like don't take it too seriously to the point where you're going to make yourself ill, that you're losing sleep, um, find the solution for it, but give yourself that moment to breathe. That's what I would say, really. Mm-hmm. Like don't, you know, mm-hmm. don't be too serious and allow yourself. Yeah. Allow yourself that chance to just say it's Okay. And a lot of the times we miss out on that. We look for it externally. We don't give ourselves that allowance and we don't mm. allow ourselves to sort of be light about things or take things lightly in, in some way. And I, and I don't mean, you know, the, the things that are important. I, you know, when I say don't take things too seriously, very few things are life and death. Yeah. Very few. And if right. you put that lens, like you start from there and then you break it down and you sort of say, okay what's the worst that's going to happen here? And then you, you know, plan out that scenario, allow yourself to sort of be, you know, breathe a little and be like, okay, 
I can handle this, right? You just yeah. you just need to calm yourself, I think. And a lot of us lose sight of that sometimes. And we sort of look for it externally or we forget to sort of pat ourselves and sort of say, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Breathe and smile like yeah. you do. <laughs> Thank you. And you, touche. I've learned it from you, Deepa, to be honest. <laughs> Well, thank you, Angela, for being here with us. And I hope you enjoyed and you got lots of nuggets uh, from this episode. I look forward to talking to you soon again. I hope you found this episode as useful and as insightful as I did. Finding peace in this frantic world requires a framework for success. And I've recently published an ebook to help you unlock your potential. So if you want to get information of how to unlock your potential, just head over to meetmypotential.com slash ebook. No email address is required. The link is meetmypotential.com slash ebook and will take you straight to the methodology that helps you make sustainable change. Until next time, stay cool.